If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. We're in Matthew chapter 6 today as we continue in this sermon series that we've been in called But First, a study of the priorities of Jesus. Jesus has this way of setting priorities for us. And once you see it, it begins to jump out of the scripture all the time. We saw last week in Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus talks about you're in church and you're worshiping and you're bringing your gifts and your altars and you're making the sacrifice at the altar. And there, remember that your brother has something against you. And Jesus says, that is great that you're in church and that you're in worship and that you're giving and you should do that. But first, go be reconciled to your brother. Then come back and offer your gift at the altar. Jesus is putting a priority on reconciliation, on being our being in a right relationship with one another. Next week, we'll look at Matthew chapter 7, where some disciples of Jesus wanted to correct someone. He said, that's great, you can correct folks, that's fine. But first, remove the log from your own eye, and then you can see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. We'll look at that passage next week as Jesus sets priorities for us. But today... We're in Matthew chapter 6, and in this passage, Jesus talks to us about the things that we need. And I am so glad that he does, because we worry about getting what we need, don't we? We worry about that. And we worry about whether we can provide our family and our friends and our loved ones with the things that they need. We often think, hey, you know, my family, I need to provide shelter for them. I want them to have a roof over their head, a bed to sleep in, clean sheets. But more than just a a shelter, I want them to have a home. That's something that we believe that we need and want to provide for our family. Will I have food for my family? Will I have clothes? Before I finish this sermon today, you might start worrying about what is for lunch. We worry about clothes. What are we going to wear? I don't have anything to wear. Do we, are we going to be able to provide clothes for our children? What about health insurance? It's a big one, an expensive item. What about an education for myself or for my children? And if, I'm gonna, if they're going to be educated, is a cell phone something that I need, that I have to have? Is a computer something we need or have to have? In this society, probably access to one. Uh, to live, we would need those things. And if I am educating my kids, do I need to save for college? I'm worried about coming up with enough money for college. If you have three daughters, you worry about providing for weddings for them. Uh, I want them to have good teeth so that they can eat their food, so I take them to the dentist. Is the orthodontist a need that I have to have? And we begin to think, and these things are racing, and all the while, I see commercials on TV asking me if I'm saving for my retirement, and I'm trying to get through Tuesday. We worry about having the things that we need. And we worry about providing those things for our family, the things that they need. But here in this text, Jesus tells us not to worry about these things. I'm going to read verses 25 and following. But you're going to hear Jesus reassure us here that your heavenly Father knows what you need. 
And that if he takes care of the birds of the air, if he takes care of the flowers of the field, the grass that's here today and gone tomorrow, surely he's going to take care of us. Jesus says here in the text, I know you need stuff. And more importantly for us, he says, I know you are tempted to make pursuing stuff and having that stuff your top priority. And Jesus comes to us and says, but first, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Listen now to the words of Jesus, Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 25. Hear now God's word. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you O you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Let's pray together as we come to God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for preserving these words. Uh, The Lord Jesus, thank you for speaking to us. And we ask that you would speak directly to us here today, that you would speak to your followers just as you did some 2,000 years ago, that you would speak through your word and that you would teach us to set our priorities rightly, that we would walk in your ways. Please come and teach us. And we ask that you'd be willing to teach us even through the sin-stained lips of a foolish preacher. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Seek first. Jesus says, but first, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you as well. Does that sound funny to you? Is that odd? It's so odd to me that Jesus would say, seek the kingdom, and his righteousness. They were to seek that. Now, it doesn't surprise me that Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God because he talked about the kingdom all the time. In fact, as I was studying this week, I was convicted that we don't talk about the kingdom enough. If you flip back in my Bible one page over in Matthew 4, when he begins his earthly ministry, we read that in in Matthew 4 and verse 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent, For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He called people to repentance, to change their way of thinking and living because the kingdom of heaven was coming. That's what Jesus preached. He talked about it all the time. You keep going in Matthew 4 and verse 23, and we read, And he went throughout all Galilee, 
teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming, watch what he proclaimed, the gospel of the kingdom. We talk a lot about the good news of the gospel. Jesus proclaimed the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. It goes on to say that he cast out demons and relieved of oppression those who were uh, possessed by demons. Now, a lot of times we look at that and we say, well, Jesus did these miracles to authenticate his message. Because he could do these amazing things, you should listen to what he says. And that is certainly true. I don't want to say anything to take away from that. His miracles do authenticate his message. However, when Jesus heals people and he casts out demons at the exact same time he is proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, he's not only gaining credibility for his message by his miracles, but he's also explaining what his kingdom is like. He's saying the kingdom of God is a place where sickness and illness and brokenness is cast out. That the kingdom of God is a place where people are made whole in their whole being. As he cast out demons, he was saying the kingdom of God invading a place means evil is pushed away. That the kingdom of God has authority over evil. Jesus is making an important point about his kingdom. He's saying that all the evil and all the effects of the fall and sin and decay and death that have come into the world, that when the kingdom of God comes, it pushes those things out of God's world as his kingdom comes. As Jesus talks about the relationship of the Christian to the law, he talks about the kingdom as well. If you keep going in Matthew 5, verse 19, Jesus says, Therefore, Whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that your righteousness, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus seems to see a relationship between the law of God and the kingdom of God. That when the law of God is taught and followed, that's great in the kingdom. But when God's law is disregarded and not followed, that's least in the kingdom. So there's a relationship between kingdom and following and living life the way God designed it to be lived. You see it in the Lord's Prayer too in Matthew 6. What does he teach his disciples to pray? There in verse 9 he says, Pray like this, pray our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' mind, there's a relationship between doing the will of God and the kingdom of God coming. That as we do the will of God, which is reflected in his law that we just talked about, as we walk in God's ways and live life the way he designed it to live, God's kingdom is breaking into this world because we're living life the way that it was designed to be lived. So in Jesus' mind, there's relationship between doing the will of God and the kingdom of God coming. So when Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things are added to you, we're not surprised that he's talking about the kingdom because he's been talking about the kingdom of lot. And basically, the kingdom of God that he's talking about here is the rule and reign of God 
that happens now as we know the will of God and do it, but it's also a not yet thing, right? We're supposed to pray for the kingdom to come because a day is coming when all the effects of sin will be done away with, when we will live life exactly the way God designed it to be lived, where all evil will be done away with and people will not be oppressed by evil. So the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God now, and it's coming in the future. It's the doing of God's will now, and as more and more people do the will of God, his kingdom is coming now and will come in all of its fullness in the future. When Jesus refers to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He's talking about God's standards of justice. He's talking about God's design for how life should be lived. So basically, Jesus is saying that Christians, first and foremost, desire that God's kingdom come in the sense that his rule and reign in the hearts of people and that his righteousness, his standards of justice would be universally accepted and that we should pray for that, and that we should commit to find and do and teach the will of God, to join ourselves totally to his rule, and that that would be first for us. All that would be first, our first priority, our top thing, that we would not be distracted by other things. So this talk of the kingdom of God and his righteousness makes sense to me. It's that word, seek that bothered me this week. I've been thinking about it all week. Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Does that sound funny to you? I wouldn't expect Jesus to say, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's odd. I mean, seek means to look for something, right? This morning, we were looking for communion cups, right? Where's Mark? We were, looking, we were seeking some cups. We didn't know where they were, right? It took us a while to find them. To seek means to, to try to find something. It means to desire to possess something. That's what seek means. So I don't understand why Jesus would say seek here. I expect Jesus to say something like this, like find the kingdom of God, right? Possess the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these things will be added to you, right? That's what I expect him to say. I expect Jesus to say something like, arrive at the kingdom of God. Enter the kingdom of God and establish God's righteousness. Then all these things will be added unto you. That's not what he says. He says, seek the kingdom and his righteousness. And for my grammar folks, it's a, that's a present tense imperative. If you don't care about grammar, it just means Jesus is saying, keep on seeking. That it's continual. That it's something that we continue to do in the Christian life. That we continue to seek the kingdom. So Jesus is saying that the Christian life is to keep on seeking the kingdom of God and his righteous continually. That is fascinating to me. Maybe I'm the only one. But it is so interesting, and here's why. Here's why this is fascinating to me. Follow me on this. Maybe you know folks like this. Because to talk to some Christians and to attend some churches, you would think that the Christian life was about having arrived in the kingdom of God. 
you know those folks, we have all the answers. We have God's righteousness. And so you can come here and join us and get the answers and get righteousness. And if you don't get the right answers or righteous pretty quick, then you need to go somewhere else. Sometimes we operate that way, don't we? As if being a Christian means we don't have questions or that we don't struggle with unrighteousness. According to Jesus, that's not it at all. That's using God and God language to control life. Instead of loving God and following God and seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, even in the midst of our unanswered questions, even in the midst of our struggles with unrighteousness, Jesus said, but first seek the kingdom of God. Not that we've arrived, but keep on seeking. It's as if following Jesus is just not quite as tidy as what I want it to be. That can be scary for some of us. Maybe it's unsettling to you. Maybe you question my credibility now for even saying it. I'm just telling you what Jesus said to seek the kingdom. But let me tell you the good part of that. The good part of that is that Jesus is not afraid of your questions. So you can ask them. The good part is that Jesus is not surprised by our unrighteousness. We're surprised, aren't we? I can't believe I did that. Jesus is not surprised by our unrighteousness. And so as we seek his righteousness, as we pursue it, as we look for it, as we desire to possess his righteousness... We can be honest about the fact that we have not arrived yet. We can be honest about the fact that we fall short. So in the Christian walk, we learn to live with unanswered questions. We learn to live with continually struggling with unrighteousness, both in ourselves and in one another. We learn to live with unfixed things, but we're walking this journey with Jesus, and so that makes it okay. And we take great confidence and certainty and assurance in walking with him. We seek the kingdom of God now, knowing that one day the kingdom of God will come in all its fullness and it'll all be fixed. Jesus is going to fix all that is broken one day. Maybe he'll fix some of the brokenness today. Maybe he'll even use us as the hands and feet and the people of Christ, the church. Maybe he'll even use us to fix some of the brokenness before he gets back. We long for that. We pray for that. We work toward that. But we know 
that maybe he'll fix it today. Maybe he'll fix it when he returns. But in the meantime, we seek the kingdom of God and learn to live with unanswered questions and struggles with unrighteousness and unfixed things, even as we pray and work for the kingdom of God to come. I think that's what Jesus is saying. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you as well. The problem we have is that we often seek other things first besides the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We seek other things, don't we? I heard Lee pray that God would help us to turn from building our own kingdom. I heard Paul pray for that. That's an appropriate prayer because we're all tempted to seek other things besides the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And the problem, let's be clear, is not with the stuff that we are seeking. Typically, the stuff that we are seeking are good things. Jesus made those things for our enjoyment, and they are good when we use them the way God designed them to be used. The problem's not with the stuff. <laughs> the problem is with us. We seek those things or become attached to those things in a way that we should not do so. And seeking those things, having those things, possessing those things become more important for us than seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In this chapter, Jesus actually mentions many of those things that we seek. Jesus says, for many of you, you are seeking popularity. You are seeking the applause of men. But I love the way Jesus says it. <laughs> Look at Matthew 6 and verse 1. Here's the way Jesus says it. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. <laughs> I love the way he says that, right? Beware of practicing your right. Beware of doing good things in front of other people in order to be seen by them. And then he goes on to talk about people who give to the poor, but they, but they blow the trumpet. as they, they want everybody to see that they're being generous to the poor. And he gives the example of people who stand on the street corner and pray, and they want to be heard for their many words. Wow, that's an impressive prayer. And he talks about people who fast, but they look all gloomy when they do it. So people say, oh, bless him. He's just sacrificing so much for the Lord. Jesus is talking about doing good things to get the approval of men. I just wonder, what would Jesus say about a culture that does good things and literally takes a picture of them and posts it up for everybody to see? Oh, my. Well, I'll tell you what he said to these folks. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. For some of us, we are motivated by, we are seeking popularity and the approval of other people. For some of us, we're seeking money. 
Jesus says in verse 19 there, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus says in verse 24, No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That's why Jesus says, look, seeking the kingdom, pursuing the kingdom of God and his righteousness has to be first for you. That has to be the top priority. And then all these other things come later. Because you can't serve two masters. You will sacrifice the kingdom of God and you will sacrifice the righteousness of God in order to get popularity or money or whatever it is that you crave. In fact, I would guess there are some people who are listening to this sermon who nod their heads and they come every week and they nod their heads and they say, yes, I do need to be reconciled to my brother. Yes, I do need to get my priorities right. But then there is very little fruit in our lives. There's very little fruit of the biblical teaching that you nod and agree with every week. I want you to hear me. Listen, it may be because you are seeking something else first. You're seeking something else higher than the kingdom of God or his righteousness. There's an occasion where Jesus is telling a story, a parable about the proclamation of the word. And he says there's this farmer who throws out seed, and that's like the word going out. And whether that seed is fruitful or not, Jesus says, depends on the kind of soil that it lands on. There's nothing wrong with the seed. There's nothing wrong with the word of God. It can produce fruit. The problem's with the soil. And he says some seeds fall on this path where people walk, and so the ground is hard, and the seeds can't take root. Some of us have hard hearts, and we just don't hear. That's not the person who comes and nods their head every week, right? Jesus talks about another kind of soil that you even sprout, that that you even see a little bit of the plant, but then thorns come, and they choke out the growth of the word. And look at what he says there. And others, I'm going to come around here and look at it with you. Look what he says. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but watch this, verse 19. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Oh, some of us have desires for other things. And then we come and we nod our heads, but then those desires for other things enter in and choke out the word in our lives. For some of us, we've got to change our priorities. And Jesus is so kind to warn us. God is so good to say, seek the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Jesus is not saying that God will not give us what we need. (laughs) He's saying, don't seek 
those things more than you seek God. Don't desire those things. Don't hunt for those things. Don't look for those things. Don't invest your life in those things as much as you invest yourself in God himself. Now, if you're like me, I always wonder, all these things will be added to you. Can we get some clarification on what all these things are? I would like to know, (laughs) by pursuing the kingdom and his righteousness, what are all these things that will be added? Just curious. Well, if you look in the verse above it, in verse 32, he uses the same language. It's for the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. So they're the things that the Father knows that you need. Right before that, he was saying, don't be anxious about what shall we eat, what shall we think, what shall we wear. That the Gentiles, your translation may say that the pagans seek after these things. Same word, they're seeking after those things. So all these things that God adds to us are the things that he knows that we need. And he says, pagan folks seek after those things. And they live for this world because they don't believe there's a God. They think the material world is all that there is. And so they live in pursuit for getting what's there now. So they chase after these things. Jesus said, that's that's not the way my followers live. God's going to provide those things that he knows that you need. You don't have to seek after. You don't have to chase them. I wonder, do you live like a pagan or do you live like a follower of God? A follower who knows that our Heavenly Father will provide those things to us. It doesn't just say He'll provide them. What does He say? And all these things will be added to you. You mean there's some more stuff? Yes. The things that God knows that you need, he will provide and he will add them to what the disciple already has. Oh, good. What does the disciple already have? Well, Jesus has been talking about it in the Sermon on the Mount, right? Last week, we looked at reconciliation in our relationship with our brother and those who put that priority first, that priority of the kingdom you are free from anger and bitterness and the desire for revenge. We just talked a few minutes ago. Followers of Jesus are freed from having to have the applause of men. We're free from having to perform better to get God to love us or accept us. There is a freedom that comes from those who seek the kingdom. There's a freedom from always having to have the right answers. Unanswered questions are okay. There's a freedom to not have to put off the questions of others. Have you ever felt that way? I don't know the answer to that question, so I just don't want to deal with it. I don't want you to ask it. (laughs) There, There is a freedom from having to put off the questions of other people that we can't answer. There is a freedom from the disciple in having to fake our own righteousness. There's a freedom in being able to admit that we fall short. There's a freedom from worrying about having the things that we need. And God provides us all that we need in addition to these things that he gives a follower of Jesus. Some of us need to better understand the kingdom of God 
and what it means to seek continually instead of just acting like we've already arrived with, with no questions and with no struggles with unrighteousness. Some of us need to admit that we've been seeking first other things and that that's probably why the word has been unfruitful in our lives. That's why we worry because we live like there's not a God. But for all of us, we all need to see the goodness and kindness and grace of our God who is so patient with us. He doesn't have to have his kingdom come in all its fullness right now. He's so patient and long-suffering. He warns us of harm. He protects us from things that will hurt us. He provides for us the things that he knows that we need. He loves us so much that he gave his own son and this God who is so good and kind and gracious, listen to me, he is ushering in a kingdom that reflects his righteousness, and it is glorious. It is more beautiful than anything we could hope for or desire. It's better than anything else we could seek. Let's pray and ask him to help us seek. Let's pray and ask for that kingdom to come. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your reassurance. Remind us of these things. We will walk away and we'll forget. But I pray that you'll remember and that you will continue to be at work in our lives so that you set everything up so that we will continually seek you, that we will continually turn from other things and turn back to you. Father, be at work in our hearts that we might seek your kingdom and your righteousness above all else. And I pray that you'd give us the eyes to see that you provide all those things, that they're added to the things that we already have. Give us the eyes to see those things. And for our good, it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.